Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk chapter number one. And I'm going to talk for a minute because that's going to be a hard book to find. It's okay. You can look in the table of contents if you need to. Uh, I had to. So anyway, <laughs> it's uh, one of those small books in the Minor Prophets and uh, follows the book of Nahum and, and precedes the book of Zephaniah. So if you find either one of them, you're getting closer. Uh, but the book of Habakkuk uh, this morning and uh this goes right along. Uh, brother uh, Brother Wade opened up Sunday school this morning with a little. Uh, he he read a little card and uh, uh, made a few comments about uh, just trusting the Lord when you don't know what's going on and and when everything around you seems to be bad, just trust in God and and uh, that's the message of Habakkuk and that's uh, what I've been studying this week. I've read this uh, book several times and it's been a wonderful comfort to my heart and uh, seemed like this is where the Lord wanted us at this morning so y'all pray for me and uh, if you found your place let's stand all over God's house this morning if you're able and willing to we'll stand for the reading of the word of God and uh, the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter number one I'm going to read the first 11 verses here and uh, the Bible says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spilling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, before, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Verse 5 says, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though, I, though it will be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come Come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the music that we've heard, the singing that, that's been sung, Father. God, I thank you for being so good to us, Father. And God, I pray that you would help us for a little while as we look into uh, your precious word, Father. Encourage us. Uh, God, convict us. God, I pray that you would just help us uh, in that way that only you can today, Father. I pray that you would save the lost. I pray for that one that may be out of your, out of your will today, Father. I pray for that one that may not be in fellowship with you. God, I pray 
pray today you would work a work in their hearts, Father. And God, help them today. Father, we love you. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. And uh, you can be seated this morning. Now, um, today we're in this little book of Habakkuk. And to be honest with you, uh, I almost came in here and preached the entire book. And and then I thought, no, this this. You seem to, God seemed to kind of put me in this one section here, and uh, this may turn into a series. I don't know. We may preach three or four messages through this little book. I don't know, but uh, we'll follow the Lord's leading, how, whatever happens. But the particular value of the book, uh, of course, Habakkuk was a prophet, and uh, Habakkuk is in the minor prophet section of the Bible. But uh, the interesting thing about the book of Habakkuk is not the, the value of this book doesn't lie in the amount of prophetic information we are given, but it, uh, but the value of the book is is how it comes from how we see the prophet coming to terms with his message. Now, there are other uh, minor prophets. You take uh, the book of Zechariah, for example, and there's a wealth of knowledge about the end of the world and the second coming in Zechariah. And then uh, Jeremiah, there's several. Uh, the, every, everything is valuable in the Bible, but uh, when it comes to Habakkuk, the true value lies in how the prophet uh, deals with his message. And that's what we're looking at today. Uh, the prophecy of Habakkuk puts into words a struggle and triumph of faith. And this struggle and triumph takes place in the heart of the prophet Habakkuk himself. This book, uh, when you read all um all of the book, you find that it begins with a sob, but it ends with a song. Uh, his attitude goes from trouble uh, to trusting. It goes from questioning to quiet rest. And in these verses I've read this morning, we see Habakkuk's confusion, or you could say his perplexity. And uh, at some point, at some point in time or other, some people don't like to admit this, but we all ask the question, why? Do we not? We all wonder why. And that word wonder, I'm using it as perplexity. We're curious how or why is things happening the way that they are? Why do things happen to me? Why is the world the way that it is? What is going on over here in this area of the world? And what's going on with our churches? And why are things the way that they are? We've all asked that. We've all wondered that. Even if you don't admit it, you wonder it. And uh, uh, sometimes we, uh, we, you know, if you've never asked that question, let me just say this. You surely will come across situations in your life where you will ask the question, why? And by the way, don't let any preacher or anybody tell you that you can't ask why. I've heard it preached before. Growing up, I heard it preached that, that it was not right to ask God why. And uh, I didn't know nothing. I just had the Bible. And I thought, well, why can't I ask why if Jesus, God's son, asked why? Did Jesus not ask that hanging on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, he asked it and he didn't sin by asking a question. Job asked questions. Many people in the Bible asked questions. They asked why. See, the, the, the problem is not in asking why, uh, but you better, you better uh, watch yourself. You better prepare yourself. God may not answer 
the question the way you want him to. And he's still God and we're still not. And we have to go on believing in him. And some people get bitter by asking the question why. They've got so many questions they allow them to get bitter and angry about it. And that does turn into sin, but merely wondering why. Uh, you know, here's, here's, here's the perplexity of Habakkuk. And honestly, it's my perplexity. I need to stop using that word. I can't say it. It's, it's my question. It's my confusion also that why does the wicked seem to prosper while the godly seem to suffer? You ever wonder that? The prophet Habakkuk wondered that. As a matter of fact, that's what the entire book of Habakkuk is about. And we wonder if God is all powerful, if God is all knowing and all loving, why is there so much suffering and evil in this world? Do we not? I know I'm talking to real people today, ain't I? Come on. We can all be honest. I know why there's so much evil in the world. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have much of a problem uh, answering the question myself, why is there so much evil? There's so much evil in the world because uh, sin is abounding in this world. And we can all stop for just a second and shout on that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm saved today. But listen to me, when we look around, we see the evil. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, I'm just telling you a little bit about Habakkuk here. We'll get into the message in a minute, but the, the evil doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I know why there's so much evil in the world. I know why people do wrong. It's because of sin. It's the exact same reason I do wrong. Amen? And so uh, here's what I am perplexed about so much, and it's the same reason Habakkuk was perplexed. It was, why does it seem that nothing is being done about it? Why does the wicked prosper? Why do they prosper? Why does it seem like people can forsake God? Why does it seem that they can put everything as a God in their life and prosper? And I'm sitting over here doing the right thing and I can't get ahead for nothing. Oh, come on. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. We are perplexed when God does not work in the way that we want Him to work. We pray for healing, but loved ones die. We have good intentions toward others, but they misunderstand us. We toil day and night, but yet we just can't get ahead when it comes to money. Right? Our text today addresses the very issue of evil and human suffering. And the book begins with a short statement. It says in verse number one, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. That word burden means a heavy load to be borne. It speaks of coming judgment right here, which the people must bear. And the prophet Habakkuk could see the approaching judgment by divine assistance or by revelation. Now, I want you to notice, we all have unanswered questions. We do. And beginning in verse number two, Habakkuk pours his heart out to God about a problem he did not understand. He had some unanswered questions, just like most of us do. Look, let's look at one of those questions from this text. Look in verse number two. We wonder why God 
doesn't answer our prayers. Now, he does answer our prayers. And I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang on, okay? We wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. Look at what the Bible says in verse 2. Oh, Lord, this is what Habakkuk says. How long shall I cry? And what does he say? And thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Now, I could say, uh, you know, right here, I mean, this is what he says. He's got this burden. He has been, he has been called to prophesy judgment onto the people of Israel or the people of Judah there. But he says, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? We know, y'all, we know, we know from the Bible that God hears and answers prayer. Do we not? Yeah. But isn't it just the truth to say sometimes it feels like he don't hear? And that's where the prophet Habakkuk was. He's seeing everything going on around him. He prays earnestly and he says, God, why will you not hear me? Yeah, I know what he's going through. We do things, we pray about things, and instead of them getting better, a lot of times it seems like they get worse. Listen, even, even though the prophet cried out to God violence, he's, the Lord didn't save, and here this, this is interesting. He says, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. This refers to the violation of moral law. We'll get into that in a minute because uh, it refers to the violation of moral law because of which a person acts violently towards a fellow human being. The same word is actually used in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, where the Bible says that during Noah's time, the earth was filled with violence. Habakkuk was confused. He was bewildered. It seemed to him that God was doing nothing to straighten out the conditions that existed in the world. And violence ruled the day. And God kept silent and seemed unconcerned. That was according to Habakkuk at least. God appeared to be indifferent. He appeared to be inactive. He appeared to be insensitive toward the situation. And Habakkuk asked him, How long... And like Habakkuk, we wonder sometimes how long the Lord will be silent. How long must I pray for my children to be saved? How long must I struggle with my family problems? How long must I suffer with this sickness? How long, God? I tell you one that I deal with every day. How long is it going to be before you come back? How long? Growing up, I never would have dreamed that I would want God to come back as much as I do now. That was a weird thing back then. I was like, man, i got to graduate. I, got, I don't have a car yet, God. I've not even graduated high school. I've not went to college. I've not gotten married. I don't have children. Just wait. I've got so many things I want to do. And now uh, I wake up and I look at things and I read headlines and, and, and I think, God, how much longer can it be before 
It's kind of like the nation of Israel all throughout the Bible. They were always, they were always, how long is it going to be before you avenge us? How long before you rescue us? How long before you save us? Now thank God, how long before you come get us? How long is it going to be before you come and make all the wrongs right? Now Habakkuk went to the right person when he had questions. When he had doubts, he went to the right person. I, I think it's amazing that, and, and you do it too, I'm sure, and I do it. Even when you don't feel like God is listening, you still go to Him. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He's saying in His prow, how long are you going to, how long are you going to, uh, how long am I going to cry out and you don't listen to me? Well, if you really don't think He's listening, why are you asking Him that? Sometimes we just need to change our perspective a little bit in our heads, don't we? But he went to the right person. And, you know, while we can receive encouragement, we can receive uplifting from family and, and friends and other people. Let me tell you something. You ought to go to the Lord first when you got questions. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 142. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. And that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing here. He is showing forth his complaint to the one that matters. So we wonder sometimes, even though it's kind of a rhetorical question, why does God not answer our prayers? But we also wonder this. We wonder why the Lord doesn't judge evil. You see, in verse 2, Habakkuk asked the question, how long? And then in verse number 3, he asked the question, why? Look at it with me. Look at verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. So now he's, he's bringing out his, he's got his how out there. He's got how, how long am I going to have to wait? To hear you answer my prayer. How long do I have to cry out and you not answer me and you not listen to me? And then he tells what his problem is. He tells us why. Why do thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold? You know, uh, it's, it's almost like I can see the prophet Habakkuk here struggling Oftentimes the same way I do as a preacher and a pastor. God will burden your heart. God will give you a message. God will, will put everything together. And it seems to make no difference whatsoever. It seems that it falls on deaf ears. It seems that all people do is reject. It seems that... And, and, and you can say, well, God, why did you burden me with this? It almost makes you miserable. I'm just telling the truth. But here's the thing. Corruption abounded here. Corruption abounded. Lawlessness prevailed. Everywhere Habakkuk looked, all he could see was plundering, violence, strife, and conflict. And Habakkuk was amazed at how God's... He was, he was amazed at God's seeming silence and indifference. 
You see, all Habakkuk could see when looking around him was the prosperity of the wicked, the punishment of the righteous, the powerlessness of authority, and the poverty of the good. It sounds like America, don't it? Yeah. Just like today, we see terrorism, we see human trafficking, we see hatred, racial and economic oppression, we see all forms of gross immorality, and, and uh, it's all praised, and it's all, it seems like they prosper in all of this. And then we see political exploitation dominating. All of these things, they dominate the news headlines, and we wonder why God isn't doing anything about these things. This is how it seems, isn't it? You wonder why in the world, God, why in the world do all of these agendas and everybody in, in Hollywood and everybody in politics, why does it seem like everybody is for everything except the Christian? What? God, what are you doing? God, where, where have you gone? It just keeps getting worse and the church keeps getting smaller and people keep leaving the church and, and they don't want to come to church. And nobody, you go out soul winning and you talk to people and they're so confused about everything. And why is it when I want to talk about the goodness of God and why is it when I want to tell somebody how good you are and spread the gospel, all they want to do is talk about eating meat and having tattoos. Why does nobody even care about truth anymore? Notice in verse 4, Habakkuk, he was disturbed by the powerlessness of the law in society. He says, therefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. You see, Justice or judgment in verse 4, it never proceeded out from the courts. And we see it time and time again. I saw a couple videos just last week where, where a family was murdered by a man that had already killed three people. And he had been in jail three times. How is that man allowed to be back in public? How is that in America? It's because justice never goes forth out of our court system. Just like here in verse number four. The wicked outnumbered and surrounded the righteous and the judges handed down twisted judgments. I was watching a thing the other day about uh, cops that had, that had, uh, they were corrupt cops and they had been caught and sentenced and thank God for that. But it amazed me. There was one guy, and I can't go into all the details, but there was one guy. He, uh, um, and, and a crime is a crime, by the way, but uh, sin is sin, by the way. But, but I thought it was amazing that in our courts, one of these guys, he had, he had been convicted of uh, uh, putting his hand in the evidence money. And uh, he had been convicted. He, uh, you know, when they would make drug bust and things, he would, he'd keep a little off the top for himself. I found it interesting they put that man in jail for I think it was 45 or 50 years was his sentence for that. 
Meanwhile, in another state, there was a cop that had been convicted of going around low-income neighborhoods and assaulting the women in that neighborhood. I'll let you figure the rest of it out. It's not really appropriate. They gave that man like 15 years. I thought, well, I know both of them's bad, but something's wrong with that picture. You know what the difference was? I'm not going to get into politics, but it had to do with a particular political leaning in either one of those states. And I found that interesting, but here's the thing. One thing's for sure, when you look around, it seems like the wicked outnumber the righteous, don't they? It seems like you can't trust anybody. My wife was just telling me this morning about how... um, Some alerts had been put out on uh, human trafficking and kidnapping, and one of them was there was these couple guys that were uh, uh, sitting around in a parking lot waiting for, uh, you know, certain people to pass by, and they they were there in front of a van, and they had stuff uh, figured up, and and this guy, he looked like he was, uh, you know, injured and and couldn't do for himself, and he he would take, and he was targeting certain people, and by the way, nothing was wrong with him, but he would target certain people and stop them, and ask them if they could help him get these things into his van. And when doing so, he would kidnap them. You can't trust people. And and it's pitiful in the society we live in. uh, The wicked seem to outnumber the righteous just like it did here. And I don't know about y'all, but I feel, I feel Habakkuk right here. I get it. I look around today and hey, I'm like, I I got you, brother Habakkuk. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Do you ever ask God the why questions? Do you ever wonder why God allows the evil in the world? Do you ever wonder why people who have no concern for God and who have no concern for His laws seem to prosper and get ahead? Meanwhile, you're doing your best to serve God and you feel like you're falling behind and you begin to wonder if it's even worth it. I'm telling the truth. If I can admit it, surely we all can. There's some guys that would get up and preach and they'd never say things like this. But if I can't be myself, I might as well get down and be quiet. Guess what? God's got an answer. I told you I'm going somewhere with this. God's got an answer. I want you to know that God's answers are often unexpected. You know, God has an answer. You know, we've been listening to the prophet Habakkuk give his how long and why questions in verses 1 through 5, but, or verses 1 through 4, but in verses 5 through 11, God has an answer to Habakkuk's questions, and he also has an answer to our questions. And God's answers are often unexpected. Listen to me, God is certainly not indifferent to the affairs of mankind. Y'all see where I'm going with this already. Our feelings can mess us up. Our feelings is why we think God doesn't always answer prayers. 
But the fact is, He does listen. And He does answer prayers. That's what the Bible says. And so I've preached it before and I'll say it again and I'll say it till the day I die. We need to get rid of our feelings and put facts back where they belong. And let those facts drive our lives and not our feelings. And so, God... He's certainly not indifferent to the affairs of mankind. As a matter of fact, if we are concerned, God is even more so concerned. He is concerned, and not only is He just concerned, He's also active. He always works. Always works. But oftentimes, He works silently. And every time, He works in His own way. Man sees and reacts to present circumstances while God sees the overall picture. We can't see around the curve in the road and we can't see over the hill that lies ahead, but God sees every bit of it. And He's working out His ultimate purpose in our lives and in the world. Think about this. God doesn't react to history. He controls history. God doesn't react to circumstances. He creates them. Yes. And so, think about, uh, we, we need to get our eyes and we need to get our minds off of the circumstances of life and see the big picture. God is working all things for our good and His glory, even though not everything is good in itself. We're going to find out here in a second. So God answers are often unexpected. But look in verse number 5. God is actively working behind the scenes. I have proof of that. Look in verse 5. We shift here and now God is speaking to Habakkuk. He says, Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously. Why is he telling Habakkuk to wonder marvelously? He says, For I will work a work in your days. And not only is he working a work in Habakkuk's days, look at what he says about that work, which ye will not believe though it be told you. It makes me think of, of, of that verse that says that God is able, He's exceeding able to do abundantly all that we could ask or even think. It makes me think of Jeremiah chapter 3 where he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. There's your fact of the day. We're talking about all this doubt, and we're talking about all these questions. Well, here's your fact. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And what's the next thing he says? And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And so he's, he's doing this to Habakkuk here. He says, For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe though it be told you. Preacher, what does that mean? God's looking at him and saying, You wouldn't believe it if I told you what I'm getting ready to do. Yeah. He looks at me and says, You just sit back, Habakkuk, and watch. And I'm going to answer. And when I do, you're going to be utterly amazed at my answer. And isn't that just like God? It's just like God, while we are busy crying out how long and wondering if He's even listening to us, God is already in the process of answering those prayers. 
God often answers in the most amazing ways. If someone told us in advance how God was going to answer our prayers, we probably wouldn't even believe it. Hey, I had something happen just in the past week. If somebody had told me, I wouldn't have believed it. And I'll be honest with you, God was meeting a need for me I didn't even know I had. He was answering a prayer. <laughs> I'm just getting real with you, okay? He, was, he answered a prayer for me this week that I didn't even know I needed. I, I, but He knows. He knows all. And He's at work. Even when, you, even when you don't think He is, even when you can't find Him, He is there. The Lord says here that Judah would be astounded. Habakkuk would be astounded as they hear an unbelievable announcement. Now listen, in the context of this Scripture, this announcement, it's not unbelievable in the positive sense. But it's unbelievable in the negative sense. Because what are we, you know, I don't want to get too far out of context here. What I've said is true. But in the context of Scripture, what's going on right here is God is getting ready to usher down judgment to Judah. That's why Habakkuk was saying, how long, God, can we cry out to you about all of this violence and all of this injustice and all of these wrongs? And you sit back and you seem like you don't hear us. See, God is bringing judgment and that brings us to the fact here that God's ways are mysterious. They are. Look in verse number 6. Look at what he says. God says, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Oh yeah. God tells Habakkuk exactly how he's going to answer his prayer now. And God sometimes, let me go ahead and tell you this, God sometimes compels evil men to serve His purpose. Yeah. You know why that is? Because God is sovereign. And He controls everything. Just go home and think about that. Good or bad, God controls it. I've often said it like this, the devil, even Satan himself, he's not a foe, he is a foe to wreck. I mean, he, he, is, he is nothing to disrespect, he is nothing to mess with, but at the end of the day, reading through the Bible on the authority of God's Word, the devil is nothing but a dog with a collar and a leash controlled by God. Now I said God. That don't mean we go on out and start rebuking him. We hear a lot of that today. We see a lot of that today. But I'm just, I, I always go back to the book of Jude. If Michael the archangel isn't rebuking him with his mouth, then you better watch out. We got all these guys today. We got these preachers that, that, that say, oh, I bind thee in the name of Jesus and I do this and I rebuke thee. I'm not going toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Yeah, I'm not. But here's the thing. Let me get back on track. Sometimes God compels evil men to serve His purposes. And that's what we see right here. The Chaldeans was the Babylonians. They were a wicked nation. They were... I mean, utterly wicked nation. We're going to look at that in a second. But never forget, y'all, 
Never ever forget that God's ways are higher than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He don't work like we do. This was the marvelous something that Habakkuk would not have believed even if he were told. While Habakkuk was busy crying out how long God was orchestrating the events of history so that the Babylonians would come to the world dominant. I mean, you think about this. He, he was orchestrating the events of history so that the Babylonians would come to world domination. But preacher, isn't that a bad thing? Yeah, they were a wicked society. They were a wicked nation. They were horrible. They did a lot of horrible things to Christians. Well, preacher, how did they get their power? From God. Y'all remember I said a while ago, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It was a good day in my life when I stopped trying to figure it all out. And I just started trusting. You think, preacher, look around. Look at our society. What is God doing in our world today? He's working his purpose out is what he's doing. He's working out his will. Yeah. You know why he allowed the Babylonians to come to world dominance? He did it so he could finally bring an end to the violence and the injustice in his own people. Go home and meditate on that one. All throughout the Old, Old Testament, when God poured out judgment on His people, He sent a wicked ruler to do it. I'm giving y'all all sorts of stuff to go home and think about because I can't preach on all this this morning. When we're in trouble... And God doesn't deliver us right away. We may sometimes think that God doesn't care. But you know what? God promises to deliver us in His time. What about 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10? We're studying 1 Peter on Wednesday nights. The Bible says, But the God of all grace who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered for a while. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. What about that? The people of Judah, or, or, or let me back up, verses 6 through 11 here, I'm not going to read them all again, but they describe what the invasion from the Babylonians is going to look like. And it's interesting because the depictions of the Babylonians actually correspond in many ways to the people of Judah. The people of Judah were full of violence. And here God is sending an evil empire who are described as bitter and says they shall come all for violence. You know what that means? They weren't interested in nothing else. They were bloodthirsty. They wanted violence. That's what they loved. That's what they loved doing. That was all it was to them. They were going to come into Israel. They were going to come into Judah there. And they were going to bring violence that the Ju Judah could never even think about. They were a wicked people. And God was using them to bring judgment and right the wrongs in His own people. 
The people of Judah, we read that they distorted justice. They undermined the law. But you know what? There's a force coming to them that are a law unto themselves and they have no respect for any other law. Isn't it amazing how God works? Habakkuk asked God, why do you tolerate why do you tolerate wrong? Why do you t- I cannot talk. Why do you tolerate wrong? Why do you tolerate evil is what Habakkuk asked God. And God answered simply, I don't and I won't. The people of Judah will be judged for their sin. And he tells Habakkuk how he's going to do it. You know, when we see injustice in the world, when we see the wicked triumphing over the righteous, we sometimes think that God doesn't care. But you know what? God promises that He will judge all evil in the world. He's going to. He's going to do it in His time. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And don't ever forget that oftentimes the judgment of God, they grind exceedingly. They grind slow, but they grind exceedingly small. That's what he said. I mentioned that Wednesday night. (coughs) I believe it was Wednesday night, that verse over in Luke, where we're talking about the cornerstone. He says, those that throw themselves onto the cornerstone will be broken but those that the cornerstone is thrown on will be ground into powder. It's a picture of judgment. God does care. God is working. Even when our prayers don't seem to make it past the ceiling, y'all, we just got to trust Him. An old preacher used to say all the time, when you can't track Him, trust Him. Even when it, see, when it seems like all we see around is evil, we've got to trust God's going to judge it. Even when we feel like God is not intervening, we've got to trust that He's working behind the scenes. Even when we don't understand God's ways, we must trust His character. <clears throat> when we can't see the complete picture, don't ever forget 2 Corinthians 5-7. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. we got to learn to trust God in tough times. And speaking of, I'm almost done. Speaking of God working in mysterious ways, the most mysterious thing that He ever did, the most mysterious work He ever did is that work of salvation. Well, preacher, I don't know what you're talking Can you, you got it figured out? I don't. I just know what God says. I can't figure it out. I can't figure out how that Jesus paid the ultimate penalty for all of our sin. He paid for those sins so we wouldn't have to. I know, I know, I know it's true. It's what God says. But seriously, can we figure that? I can't fathom that in my mind. I can't fathom perfection. I can't fathom the love that Jesus had for us. 
I said it Wednesday night. He even loves us more than we love ourselves. And when it comes down to it, this flesh loves nothing more than it does itself. But Jesus loved us more than that. He loved people that he knew would reject him. It's a mystery to us. We can't fathom that with our finite minds. It's a mystery. It's a mystery how he gave his life. He wasn't killed. No man took his life from him. He laid it down willingly and went through everything that he did. Put in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't stay there. Can you figure that out? No. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. I can't figure it out. It's a mystery. Can you figure God out? No. It's a mystery. Y'all, I can't even figure the wind out. But I can see its effects. That's faith. Faith. Can you figure out how he, he met there after his resurrection? He went around and met and, and went to some of his most beloved people and, and, and the disciples and Mary and, and, and then uh, above like all of those people that day. As he is speaking to them, he just starts floating up into heaven. Can you figure that out? No, I can't figure it out. I just trust him. I just trust him. And I know, I know, I believe because he said it. I can't figure it all out, but I know it's true. I have faith. And you know, I want you to understand something here. I put this up on social media the other day. I was reading some books and it just, faith has never been a mindless shot in the dark. Bible tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you know what that verse tells us about faith? It tells us that faith is not about believing in something that is impossible. It's about believing in something that is possible, even if it seems impossible to us. That's faith. Let's stand and bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. Miss Dawn, you come play.